The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Glando, the latest gland-based energy drink from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Sometimes customers are worried that drinking Glando will affect their sleep. But what they don't realize is that if you drink enough Glando, you don't need to sleep. That's right. With enough Glando, there will only be one day for the rest of your life. Today is your birthday. It's Super Bowl day. It's Thanksgiving. It's Hanukkah. It's Christmas. It's spring, summer, fall, and winter. Because it's all just one long day stretching out into the future. One long today. Live today as if it's your last. Because it is. And just think of the money you'll save on linen, calendars, and hotel rooms. For 10% off your first taste of Glando, use the code Eternally Conscious. I roam the boundless plane of my seemingly never-ending existence. Hello and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and a printed magazine, brought to you by Glando. Now, this week sees the publication of a new autobiography by the well-known East End hardman Gary Fiesta Lewis. Fiesta is well known as the owner of a string of snooker clubs in the East End of London, as well as a famous nightclub, Mimi's, which is notorious for its links with organised crime. In his book, Naughty, The Confessions of an Absolute Rotter, he spills the beans on his various criminal antics over the years, alongside his associates, Reg Escort Smith, Terry Mondeo Peters, and Alan C-Max 1.6 EcoBoost with DAB Radio as standard, Jones. He may seem like an odd guest to have on a beef and dairy industry-focused podcast, but the biggest revelation in this book details the links between East End organised crime and beef, revealing that his snooker clubs and nightclub were for many years little more than a front for a black market trade in livestock, bull semen, leather and beef. Fiesta wrote the book whilst in prison, a prison that he has just been released from in Turkey. In fact, it's the very same prison that is holding entertainment national treasure Sid Onion, formerly of much-loved comedy double act Cheese and Onion. And it was a similar crime, smuggling beef of a sort, across the border into Turkey that put Fiesta inside. I started by asking him what happened. Well, I was smuggling in some teeth uh, at the time, and right. um, they were caught. You know, they were found on me um, at, at the Istanbul airport, and um, you know, I had a lot of molars up there, sort of cow molars, beef. Um, there's a sort of it's a little little known, but in the the, the uh, veneers and dental work industry, turkey teeth, as they call it. Um, actually, cow teeth are better and take better than human teeth or plastics as they use over there. Right. So actually, a lot of the uh, Essex uh, cunts who come back here uh, with, their, with their teeth, uh, it's actually teeth that I've supplied. And they, they got actually called less drooling because if you, you notice people with veneers, they often drool quite a lot and have, often have to wave their tongue about and slurp every few words. But with cow teeth, there's less drooling. So as I say, I was found with that up my arse. Um, I, had, I had a few hundred up there. Unfortunately, they caught me and I said, I'm the fucking tooth fairy. That didn't help. And off I went. So, I mean, I didn't realise it would be illegal to 
you know, shove hundreds of cow molars up your ass, but turns out it is. Turns out it is. How did they, um, if this isn't an, an indelicate question, how, did, how were they discovered, the, um, the, the cow molars? Well, I, had a, I, I think I was walking funny when I came through customs. And, um, yeah, they're, they're on the sort of lookout, especially for working class people often get stopped and searched anyway. Do you think um, you were profiled then? I think so. Yeah, and I had me walk, and I was sort of, uh, you know, limping slightly, and and probably wincing a little bit because I think a few had got loose. And yeah, next you know I'm pulled over by a, you know a big old geezer, and uh, yeah, there, there we go. Don't need to really paint a picture there. You you can probably picture it yourself. So you're in there for five years. You've done stretches of prison time in the past over the years. You know you you. You're an experienced um, prison resident, shall we say. Yeah. What was the experience of, of being in, in Turkish prison like? Well, you know, having um, Sid there was helpful. Yeah, so so just to explain, you were in the same Turkish prison as Sid Onion, someone who we've talked a lot about on this show, much-loved entertainer, formerly of Cheese and Onion with less cheese. How did it feel when you realised that you... We're going to be in prison with this huge star, someone who I believe you, you know, did work in your nightclubs in the early days. That's right. You know, well, you know, Sid, Sid's a good lad. We go back a long way. He'd be there in Mimi's with me in the early 80s. But he's a good lad. He's very funny, good sense of... He, he bloody loves it in there. I tell you, he's the king of the fucking jail. Oh, really? He loved it. He didn't want to come out. He was having a great time. He, he actually smuggled in some more beef and got caught deliberately... To extend his sentence, he slapped about a couple of wardens with a steak. That's another year. He loves it in there. So hang on, just let's 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 get this straight because we've spoken to the campaigners. You know, there's a huge campaign to free Sid from from prison. He don't want it, really, because I've spoken to his his daughter Pam, who's working tirelessly with Buffs and Frontier to to get lawyers in place to try and get him out. Well, he's letting you know he's letting her go about it because it's giving her a purpose. Because she ain't, she, you know, she don't have to work, you know, because of her dad. But he don't, he don't. Between you and me, he don't actually want to come out. He likes it in there. It's, it's, uh, it's a good life. He's respected. He's, he's the king in there. To be fair, he's tired of of being in the shadow of Les. Right. You know, he don't, the fact that Les's surname comes first in the duo that always pissed him off. Like Lennon and McCartney pissed off McCartney. Right. You know, it's he's Onion now. He is the main man. He'll be out one day, I'm sure, but for now, he's loving it in there. I don't know much about living in prison, but to be considered the king of a prison, I mean, how did he manage to attain that position within the hierarchy of the of the prisoners? Well, as you know, uh, in jail, it's a sort of you have to assert yourself early on, day one. Don't let anyone get under your skin. You got to give as good as you get straight away. So day one, he shanks a geezer. Uh, you know, he goes after the top boy. It's like the jungle, really, the gorillas. You know, you've got to go after the top boy. And even if you take a beating, then people know you're not to be messed with. So he went in hard. And he's actually quite a scrappy geezer, Sid. You know, he's quite slight. You wouldn't think it, but he's he, when he switches, he's fucking nasty. He was, he was like bloody Ray Winston in Scum. I'm the, I'm the King Onion now. Call me the Onion. So when you go into prison then, Sid's been there for a number of years, he's already the king. Was there a feeling from yourself that you had to assert yourself against Sid? To... No, we're mates. Right, okay. No, he looks after me. We've got a lot of respect for each other. 
there's never been any any beef, as it were, between me and Sid. Okay. And were you, when your release date came around last year, were you tempted to to stay in like Sid and you know live the good life? No, not really. I, I you know, you miss your own toilet, don't you? And and, and I, I can't really take a dump in front of anyone else. So I just wanted to get back. And you know, I had, obviously my bowels weren't as they were because of the, the the search five years earlier at the airport. That's that something happened there. Right. I think the teeth as well. There was some scar in scar tissue in my inner cavity, as it were, not right. to get too graphic. Yeah, okay. You'd essentially been internally bitten by a, a dead cow. By the teeth, that's right. Yeah, okay. But, uh, you know, you live and learn. I'm going to read a passage from your book. It, it opens, it's, I, mean, I must say, it's a very a great read. Thank you. Oh, Gary. It was midnight on a quiet Tuesday. The old Bill liked to come into my snooker hall for a couple of frames after their shift because they were trying to rile me up, make me look like a mug. But they were the real mugs. Little did they know that a mere eight feet from where they were standing, drinking Orangina and playing snooker, there were 35 calves stuffed behind the quiz machine. Yeah. Tell me about those days. That's that's a, a very rich picture you paint at the beginning of the book. I mean, they're fucking clans, those cops. You know, they'd come in all twinkly-eyed acting like they were the big bollocks. And, you know, little did they know there was this whole other industry going on right under their noses. You know, we had we had calves in the in the basement, under the floor, right under their feet. So how does it work? You, you are getting these calves. Where are you getting these calves from? I mean, sometimes they're, they're you know, they're bred underground. We put, we, we chuck a bull in there and, it, you know, he'll take care of business. And then, of course, it's getting them out. Which is the tricky, tricky part. You have to go through the sewer, right, uh, under Mimi's, and then uh, you know we had a connection on the district line, so we get we had a a, a a freight train that would go from Upton Park to Mile End, and then we got a, we got a, a, a geezer down there who can and who look after them for us. I, I think what my listeners might be thinking is, you know, why are you going to this these lengths to do a kind of underground? cow breeding program let's put it this way you're breeding cows in the sewers you're then selling them in your nightclub in your snooker hall you can yeah you could come down and, and buy a cow if you wanted and and so why wouldn't someone just buy a cow the normal way from a, a a registered farmer why would they go for the the black market cow what are they getting out of that transaction well i think a lot of eastenders in the 70s were a bit sick and tired of paying over the odds for their beef Right, and you know, under that under that time, under Labour pre Thatcher, you go into a pub or caf, you'd spend upwards of a pound on a cottage pie, and that was too much. So there was a market there, there was a need there. So we cut out the middleman, namely the taxman per se, as it were, and that cut the price down, you know, half. So you were providing a, a steady and uh, and cheap stream of beef to the to the good working people of the East End. That's right. And suddenly steak became affordable to the average man. You know, you you wouldn't be able to get a steak once a month or once a year on your birthday. Yeah. Special occasion you get a steak. But you know, we made steak available to everyone. And leather jackets. Leather jackets, leather shoes, you know, leather car seats. You could have le- leather fucking toothbrush if you wanted, because it was affordable. And then Thatcher came in you know, and the legislation got a bit tighter and they started breathing down our necks. But pre-Thatcher, it was a wild west, really. 
And of course, there's a certain amount of government regulation that comes along with keeping animals. There are certain things you have to do. You have to test them for tuberculosis, blah, 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 blah. You have to get the vet in occasionally. Were you doing away with all of that kind of government interference as well? Well, you know, we had a soft touch with that sort of thing. Uh, we took our chances. You know, if you're going to get half price beef, then, you know, it, you can't expect it to come with the bells and whistles as such. But generally speaking, they were fine down there. It's actually, you know, under the basement... Quite a sterile environment, but you know, largely speaking, we were quite lucky. If one of the if one of the cows started looking a bit iffy, then we you know give them some grapes, uh, you know, a bit more fruit, and you know, generally speaking, they'd be all right. So you know, if TB, for example, got into a herd of cows, that that can decimate you know a farmer's living. We we're not concerned about that kind of thing. If you're if you're if you're slightly dodging these these regulations around safety. Well, I'm not a scientist. You know, I'm a businessman, and I, I would I would take the advice of those around me. And um, you know, I, I had good good men. Um, you know, we had uh, we had Barry uh, Barry England. He was the son of Clive England, who you might recall uh, the, the famous um, serial killer who done all those rent boys in Earl's Court in the nineties. Barry. Uh, good lad, actually. Good lad, still going. He uh, he had a, uh, a mock uh, GCE in science, so he could sort of run his eye over him. Um, he didn't finish his exams, but he knew enough about science. He could have a quick look, you know, give him the up and down, you know, and silver linings. If one of the cows did die of complications, TB, etc., 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 then that it saves us time and money, you know, uh, in the uh, having to put him down ourselves. So, you know, you've got to see the positive and just go with what's happening, really. So that leads to even cheaper beef. Cheaper beef for everyone. And we do, a, you know, we do a special discount leather jacket, uh, TB cow discount, you know, half price. Had a lovely sort of mottled finish. I thought he looked quite good, personally. Before we get back to my big interview with Gary Fiesta Lewis, we have news about the whereabouts of the upcoming British Beef Council AGM and Beef Boil. So that's annual general meeting in the day and then a sumptuous feast in the evening where the organisers say that they can guarantee that every aspect of the meal will have been boiled, this year including all condiments and drinks. It will be taking place at the Red Lion Coaching Inn and we've got a little advert here from them. There are still rooms available if you'd like to stay there. A warm welcome awaits you at the cobbled forecourt of the Red Lion Coaching Inn. Okay. Now and... uh, new management from my wife. We have a squash court come breakfast room with a wonderful view of the colour television. Enjoy a soup and a roll. Duvets abound in the comfortable rooms where you can feel at home away from home. Away from home. All right. Whether it be a wedding or a more sombre occasion, for example, a tribunal, it is an appropriate lodging for a dogless family or dogless couple. Did King Charles I 
stay here during the Civil War. Enjoy the towels. Don't even speak to my wife. We'll see you there. As I said before, rooms are still available, but they haven't included their address or an email address or phone number. So, um, well, it's, that's, that's really for you to sort out. More after this. When I'm not making this podcast, I'm doing one of three things. I'm either checking out some, uh, some new beef. I'm trying to improve my trout fishing yield using new techniques, new flies, new nets. What sweet songs can I sing to entice those scaly temptresses? Or three. I'm eating yoghurt in the garage. It's nice to have downtime. But if you're hiring and need to fill your open roles with the right people, you likely work around the clock. Thankfully, there's help. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology works for you to find great matches for your job, and then you can invite your top choices to apply. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ziprecruiter.com beef to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-E-F. Back to my big interview soon, but first, network members will have no doubt seen on our website our big competition this month, in which you can win a pillow. Simply email in and tell us what you'd do with it. The best answers go into a hat, and the winner will be picked out by Foo Fighters guitarist Pat Smear. We've already had some great entries. Uh, For example, Sandra Prescott in Liverpool writes, I would use the pillow as a sort of barrier between my head and my mattress at night time. Thank you, Sandra. Terry Williams from Wigan writes, I'd use the pillow as a sort of soft plinth that my head could rest on whilst I sleep. Thank you, Terry. And Fiona Crail in Bristol writes, I will use the pillow to support my head, creating a cushioned environment for my bonds. Fascinating answers and I look forward to reading more. If you'd like to enter, look at the website for more. So now time to go back to my big interview with Gary Fiesta Lewis. I asked him about the rumours that a spate of murders in 1981 were the result of a feud about bull semen. It happens. In business, blood is always shed. That's the way it is. And, you know, bull semen is a commodity uh, in female cosmetics, it's very valuable. Um, it's very good for the skin. My ex-wife used it on her skin. She always had a lovely glow, and she she swore by it. You know, a, a, a thermos of bull semen. You that's got a sell-on value of a couple of grand. And in the early eighties, that's probably a hundred grand. Because you were doing well in the early eighties. If if the book is to be believed. In 82 or 83, I believe, you, you've mentioned already Mimi's, your nightclub, which you bought. That, you know, that must have been an expensive thing to buy. But that's off the back of all this money you're making off the, off the beef trade and the, and the semen trade. That's right. I paid for that in semen. Right. And, you know, the women that came in were absolutely fantastic. You know, Jennifer Ridgely came in, Andrew's mum from Wham. Lovely, beautiful smile. She'd come in for a dance. Um, it was a weatherman. He came in and all. Michael Fish, the, the geezer who, 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 who said there, would, there weren't going to be a hurricane. Right. That one. He came in for a little dance. He loved the ladies, actually. So it's a kind of, you're painting a picture of a very sort of a celeb-soaked yeah. hot spot, really. Oh, in the yeah. My, uh, 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 what's his name? 
Marco from Adam and the Ants, the guitarist, he'd come down, real eye for the ladies. He's always, he was always complaining, I'm not getting shagged. I'm not getting shagged, you know, because Adam was getting all the girls. Right, yeah. And, you know, Marco, he had a paunch on him. He had a, he had a, he had a gut on him, to be fair. He wasn't the best-looking geezer. He looked like a builder with makeup. But he'd come in, and you know, there was a lot of characters down there, and uh, we had a good time. No, at any one time, what's the most cows you had underneath your nightclub? Any one time, I think we had... I think we had close to a hundred down there. Okay, so a hundred cows living under a nightclub. That's that's a that's a lot of value down there. Yeah. You know, that's worth a lot of money. Thousands. There's always you've always got to keep your eyes open in business, you know. Keep your friends close, as they say. You know, people would sniff around. I remember one day a geezer came in claiming to be from the tax office and but i knew something was up because he had a gold tooth and i thought i've never seen a tax man with a gold tooth Mm. and he had white slip-on shoes i thought this ain't this ain't tax and sure enough he was in there pulled out a camera and you know we had to deal with him um it got a bit hairy for a week or two some tensions ignited but yeah, tax, the tax boy came in. Um, there was another occurrence where someone came in for a dance, um, claimed to have got lost looking for the for the toilet. Right. And we found them down there. Uh, one geezer was trying to wank off one of the uh, one of the cows, and so we had to deal with him as well. Uh, fortunately, you know, you the word gets out that you're on it, and people. Don't try it too often. But, yeah, you've got to keep your eyes open. What about lamb? What about it? Well, were you ever moving lamb through your through your system? Or? No, no, that weren't for me. You know, all, all that New Zealand stuff were coming in. There was talk about the uh, the youngsters getting hooked on mint sauce. I didn't want that. You know, I, I know cows. I know beef. I know leather. That's my bread and butter, as it were. You'd see these geezers walking around in sheepskin, you know, these these Del Boy wannabes, you know, walking around thinking they own the fucking joint. And there was a there was a definite split between the geezers who wore leather jackets and the geezers who wore sheepskin. Mm. And you stay apart. They weren't your kind. You know, real scum. Like, not a brain cell to rub between them, you know. So, no, I didn't want nothing to do with lamb, sheep, none of those sort of fluffy creatures. Yeah. That weren't for me. And how does that feel then in the more modern era where, you know, we're seeing now, culturally speaking, in a wider sense, we're seeing the growth of interest in New Zealand. So, for example, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, the success of the actor Sam Neill, um, Taika Waititi making these movies that people seem to love. You know, kids now, are wherever they look, it's a wash with New Zealand, isn't it? And Kiwi culture. How does that feel when you see that happening on the streets of London? Well, that's globalisation, I'm told. You know, eventually, local values, family-run businesses get lost, don't they? And you've got to fight hard to, to stand out. And, and for people, you know, they want that cheap New Zealand rubbish, really. It's crap. You know, New Zealand people are very uh, they're very weak, you know. And, and there's no history there. So, yeah, we do. It, it is a threat to our business. I won't lie to you. It is a threat to our business, and we have to we have to step up, mm. work harder. And, you know, a couple of 
couple of Kiwi lads have have uh, have been dealt with. If you you know you're still running uh, Mimi's to to this day, it's a it's a very different sort of kettle of fish now. It seems like a kind of modern gastro pub. It seems like that's you've, right. You've gone in that kind of direction. Yeah, you've got to move with the times, and you know nightclubs aren't what they used to be. The young people ain't going out now for a dance as much. You got to you got to sort of play to to uh, the people coming through, and they prefer sitting down taking photos of themselves and uh, their evening and sharing it online. So, you know, we've made a very Instagram-ready restaurant with lots of very beautiful dishes made by my ex-wife, Linda, and, you know, her, her, our, our, our chef, Ken. Now, if, if a couple of lads from New Zealand came in and said... Uh... They wouldn't be welcome. Not so they say, hey, um, are you looking for a barman? Are you looking for a, uh, a sous chef? No, no. If I had an accent, you're out. You're out on your. You're out on your ass, mate. You're not allowed in. You know, I can't trust them. You can't trust them. You know, they'd probably be in there trying to, you know, trying to steal old recipes, trying to sneak in bits of lamb, trying to muscle in on the action. You've got to be careful. Hop it. You know, do do one. Well, um, best of luck with that. I, the book. Uh, had me absolutely riveted, and um, thank you, and thank you for giving us an insight into into that that link between traditional London crime and 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 beef. You're very welcome. A huge thanks to Gary Fiesta Lewis for that interview. If you've been watching the news, you may know that shortly after that interview was recorded, he was arrested for reversing a transit van over a florist, and he awaits trial. Best of luck to you, Gary. Now, before we say goodbye, a reminder about the upcoming British Beef Council AGM and Beef Boil taking place at the Red Lion Coaching Inn. Don't listen to the council inspectors or environmental health inspectors who have an agenda against me and my wife. These people are paid by the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates. Who do you trust? The man who invented Microsoft or the proprietors of a long established coaching in with history going back as far as 1654 and back then as far as I'm aware they would often keep prawns on a on a hot plate for many hours at a time okay so that's all we've got time for this month but if you're after more beef and dairy news get over to the website now where you'll find all the usual stuff as well as our off-topic section where this month we feature some new short fiction by former figure skating star Tonya Harding. It's dreadful. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Linnea Sage and Tom Ward. And I just want to recommend uh, Tom's podcast. It's called Bad Boys Done Good, in which he plays the actor Ray Winston, and along with the character Tony Soprano, they interview a guest. It's really, really good. Bye. 
Have you ever wanted to know the sad lore behind Chuck E. Cheese's love of birthday parties? Or, my Saturday mornings were reserved for cartoons? Or, have you wanted to know how beloved virtual pet site Neopets fell into the hands of Scientologists? Or, how a former Mattel employee managed to grow Sega into a video game powerhouse? Join us, hosts Austin and Brenda, and learn all of these things and more at Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, now on Maximum Fun. The following are real reenactments of pretend emergency calls. 911. My husband! It's my husband! Calm down, please. What about your husband? He, he loads the dishwasher wrong. Please help! Please help me! Where are you now, ma'am? At the kitchen table. I was with my dad. He mispronounces words intentionally. There are plenty of podcasts on the hunt for justice, but only one podcast has the courage to take on the silly crimes. Judge John Hodgman, the only true crime podcast that won't leave you feeling sad and bad and scared for once. Only on MaximumFun.org. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.